It's time for another episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And now, coming to the mic, your host, Mr. Chuck Knapp. Brenda Van Lingen is a face and a voice you will recognize if you have paid attention to just about any women's sports events. She's the the lead broadcaster on Big 12 Conference women's basketball. Uh, You'll hear her during the NCAA uh, tournament. And she's also the executive director of If Not For Them. For a trip to the national championship. Women's basketball is more popular than ever. And like any success story, It was built on the sacrifice, perseverance, and vision of some very special people who had a dream and a determination to see that dream realized. Hi, I'm Brenda Van Lingen. I've personally announced over 1,200 women's basketball games in my 26-year television broadcasting career, and I'm grateful for the women and men who broke barriers, changed social norms, and created a path for women like me to be able to play sports in high school and college and build a career beyond. If Not For Them is a deep dive into the true history of those who built the foundation for college women's basketball as told by the legends themselves as well as those close to them. We'll explore the origins, the characters, the challenges, and of course, the stories. Stories like the Hutcherson Flying Queens of Wayland Baptist, the winningest team in college women's basketball history. They impressed everyone who saw them. They were awesome. They were, oh, you're talking about immaculate? With howling the ball? And I'd never, I'd never seen that before. In the 1950s, they opened the door by being the first college to offer women's basketball scholarships. Plus, they had a sponsor that flew the team all over the country. I was about seven at the time, but I always remember when they were taxing out that I was going to fly the Queens. <laughs> the team won 10 AAU national championships and had a fierce rivalry with Nashville Business College. Betty Ransom once hit the game-winning shot against them on homecoming night. That was, that was probably one of the most thrilling nights of my basketball career. Over 70 years ago, The Hutchersons showed that if you support women playing basketball, they can thrive. If not for them, there might not have been such a glaring need for Title IX as we had in early 70s. Title IX became necessary because there weren't opportunities for women throughout the country like the Flying Queens created. In fact, the NCAA made it clear they were an organization for men and by men. They weren't interested in women's sports. So a group of strong women took matters into their own hands and formed their own organization. You know, I don't think there was anyone in that early era who hadn't played, who hadn't been a participant, who hadn't experienced the joy of sport, who hadn't uh, believed that it was a big part of what made them who they were. So it's not a hard formula. You think about what you experienced, what you valued, how it impacted your whole life, 
and you want to recreate that for the next generation. And I think that's basically what has happened over time. Then, there's Sanja Hogue, the charismatic teacher and cheerleading sponsor from Ruston High School, never had the opportunity to play basketball competitively. One day, she got a call from the president of Louisiana Tech. First, I thought I was just gonna teach and fulfill my dream of teaching on the faculty and doggone didn't Dr. Taylor call me in to his office and said, now, Sanja, a group of young ladies came and visited me about the prospect of starting a girls' basketball team. Well, would you mind starting that program for me? Well, you weren't even on, on the faculty yet, and uh, here you are talking to the president, and you hated to say no right off the, the bat. Good thing she didn't say no. She created the blueprint for a national championship program and produced one of the most successful coaching trees in women's basketball history. And what about the legendary Pat Summit? When she was only 23 years old, she and Cherry Rapp of Wayland Baptist went sightseeing in Mexico City before competing in the 1975 Pan Am Games. And they lost track of time. We accidentally missed the last bus and it was getting dark. And we were like, what are we gonna do? And Pat said, well, we're just gonna hitchhike. And I said, what? She said, yeah, we're gonna hitchhike. And I said, Pat, we can't do that. We don't know anybody here. She said, well, how about you think we're gonna get there? And I said, I don't know, but we better think about this. She said, well, I'm hitchhiking. If you want to, you can stay here. So I sat there and I thought a minute, I thought, well, would I rather stand here by myself in Mexico City or hitchhike with Pat? So I jumped in the car with her. There are so many historical and entertaining stories we are capturing from all over the country. We've begun gathering these stories through phone calls and Zoom interviews to identify the key storylines. And we've also begun shooting interviews in a format approved by all the top potential broadcast partners, including Netflix, Amazon Prime, ESPN, and more, so we can build a first-class documentary series. As you can imagine, this is a huge project, but a very important one. We need your help to do this now. Please consider supporting this project. Help us ensure that this important history is preserved for generations to come. For more in-depth information on the project and how to get involved, go to ifnotforthem.com. Remember, if not for them, we would not have what we do today. Help us preserve and share their stories. Brenda uh, not only went on coffee with Chuck at the time, but she also appeared at one of our statewide student events as a keynote speaker. So we really appreciate Brenda doing that. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Brenda Van Lingen. I'm really excited to have Brenda Van Lingen with us. She is a Nebraska native, an Emmy award-winning sports broadcaster. What I think is unique uh, uh, many things unique about Brenda, but she not only does analysis, she also does play-by-play. And I don't know how many broadcasters do that, but uh, she is one of them. 
she is the senior analyst for Big 12 women's basketball for Fox Sports. She also works for ESPN. She does a number of sports, volleyball, softball. And uh, anyway, she, she's a very accomplished, obviously, by winning an Emmy, but she's very accomplished. She has a great career path because believe it or not, she didn't start as the lead analyst for Big 12 women's basketball. There was a path and a journey to get there. So uh, Brenda, this is our first summer session. I know we've got some students who are interested in broadcasting that are planning to join us at some point. Welcome to Coffee with Chuck. We really appreciate your joining us this morning. Well, thank you. Thank you for the invitation and uh, I'm really glad to do it. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I thought, yeah, it's, it, uh, I didn't just end up being the, uh, the lead analyst on the Big 12 package on Fox. There was quite a path to get there. So I'm, I'm excited to, to share that with your group today. Well, and, and gosh, let's just kind of jump in. I know you grew up with, uh, with sports. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe your father was a coach mm -hmm. and uh, can you just kind of take us through your path and and it didn't start obviously in broadcasting it started in education but you were a multi-sport athlete mm -hmm. kind of tell us how this journey began sure um, you know with with so many kids from Kansas I know Kansas is a diverse state but there's a lot of rural and as well as big city but I grew up in a really small town in Nebraska uh, 210 people in my town. Uh, my dad was the son of a farmer, so I did a lot of farming in the summer. Uh, I, uh, uh, my dad was a coach and a teacher as well, and so from a young age, I grew up around sports, and it's right when uh, girls' sports was just getting started, so I was the, the ball girl or the water girl for uh, the volleyball team when my dad was coaching um, a long time ago. And, uh, you know, that's really what got me started. And I love sitting on my dad's lap watching football and he'd break it down and we'd talk about it. And, and some of my first um, uh, experiences that probably got me, you know, somewhere in the back, uh, the seed planted for broadcasting was my dad would harvest uh, the Milo crops in the fall and uh, I would sit in the truck at the end of the field and listen to the radio broadcast of the Husker football games. And when he'd come to dump the grain in the truck, he would check in and, and I would report to him what had happened in the football game. So I think that was some of my first, uh, my first reporting and, and broadcasting experience probably, probably planted those seeds. But, you know, growing up in a small town, I, I uh, participated in all the sports, volleyball, basketball, track. I was an all-state all athlete in all of those. And, um, you know, I wanted to, I love sports, so I wanted to figure out a way that I could have a career related to sports. And my, since my dad was a teacher and a coach, I really, in, in my small town upbringing, that's really the only thing that I knew that I might be able to do to combine sports uh, and a job was to be a teacher and a coach. So um, that's what I set out to do. I went to, a, it was called Kearney State College at the time. Now it's University of Nebraska Kearney. Uh, I got a partial scholarship to play basketball there uh, just because there wasn't a lot of money at the time to get basketball scholarships, but I got my tuition paid for because of my academics, because of my ACT score and my GPA. I got a full four-year tuition scholarship, so 
my college was paid for because of my academics, but I was also a, a basketball player, got two-time uh, academic All-American recognition while I was at Nebraska, Nebraska Kearney, Kearney State. I, I always, it's hard for me to say uh, <laughs> it was Kearney State, so that's usually what comes out. But uh, it was fun because I was part of the first basketball team that went to the national tournament at Kearney. And uh, ironically enough, the last game of my career, I played in Kansas City at Municipal Auditorium. And I've called a number of Big 12 Conference Women's Basketball Championships there in that building. So life coming full circle in a lot of ways. So that's where I got my start. And I, uh, my first job was as a high school teacher and coach because that's what I wanted to do. I worked right at Kearney High School in Kearney, Nebraska. It was a big school in the state. It was a great job, great first job. Uh, but as I was teaching and coaching, even though I enjoyed it, I missed the college sports experience. And I just, I wanted to figure out a way to get back into that. It, my, my senior year of college was the first year that Pat Summit in Tennessee won a national championship. And that's a whole long story that I won't get into, but I was basically snowed in in a spring snowstorm in Concordia, Kansas, in a student union at the junior college there. And the only thing we could do was watch, uh, well, play, but also watch basketball on TV. And I saw Pat Summit on the sideline and I thought, I want to be her. Uh, that's, that's the direction I want my career to go. And so um, when I was at Kearney High School, I reached out to uh, the head coach at the University of Nebraska and I said, I'd like to get into college basketball coaching. And she said, come work at our summer camps. I worked at the summer camps. Um, she said, come down and watch a game sometime. I, I bought a red suit, uh, skirt, jacket, white top, and walked into their shoot around where everybody was in their warm ups and whatever in my red suit to show that I was serious. And Angela Beck, who was the head coach, still tells that story of me walking into their practice with my red suit on. She knew I was passionate and serious and uh, ended up hiring me as a grad assistant. So um, that's how I, I got that step into college sports. I was grad assistant for a couple of years and then moved up to a full-time assistant, was at Nebraska for five years. And um, I, I got to the point where I, I loved it, but there were certain aspects about it that I didn't like as much. I, I wasn't a real disciplinarian. I wasn't the crack the whip kind of coach. And I just kind of expected people to work hard and I didn't like that part of it and having to get on people. And so that wasn't in my nature. And I didn't really like the recruiting part of it, but I love the X's and O's. I love the strategy. I love the figuring out how we could, you know, beat our opponent and, and take advantage of our advantage. And, um, and so I also got to do a lot of things in that role, like event management and sports marketing and just other things that along with my business background, I don't know, I don't know if I said what my high school or my actual degree was in, but I got a business education degree. So I had a real foundation in business. Uh, and then I started learning more about the other sides of business along with the coaching. And so when I left Nebraska, it was, I either wanted to be a head coach at a small school and I, I interviewed at, you'll, you'll recognize these names. I interviewed at Emporia State, at Central Missouri, at Missouri Western, and at, at the time, 
Northeast Missouri, Truman State, and I got offered the one job that I didn't want out of the four. <laughs> and I just decided that was my cue that it was time to get out of coaching. So um, I, I left and I moved and a lot of people don't advise this, but uh, I, 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 I had already resigned. So I left without a job and I moved to Kansas City because at the time the NCAA was headquartered here. Uh, the Big Eight Conference was headquartered here. Uh, and I thought that I could get a job in sports marketing and event management. And uh, that was kind of my career path at that time. So I'm going to just keep going unless you have please. any questions. No, so please do. Yeah. <laughs> so there was also this really cool opportunity that at the women's final four in, in uh, 95, which is my last year of coaching, uh, I went to the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and there was this booth where there was this computer software program called Coach's Edge, where a coach could put circles on the basketball court and then animate their movement to show the movement and the timing and the spacing of a play. And in the mid nineties, quite frankly, it was way ahead of its time. Most, most coaches weren't even using computers at the time. And so it was kind of a stretch for coaches to use something like that, but it was really innovative and it fit into my wheelhouse of the, the X's and O's part of it. So I, I got involved with this startup company and uh, you know, in my mind thought, I'm gonna make millions with this cool technology company. And that didn't quite work out, but it did set the foundation for uh, a lot of things that ended up happening for me. So I'll get back to that. But I, you know, I, I had to make money somehow. I didn't have a job. I was working with the startup company. I did some substitute teaching. And then I worked for the Sunflower State Games, uh, used my business background to create a database for them and just tried to use my business skills combining with sports. So it was the business skills and the sports that kind of was this theme for me. But I thought, you know, Nebraska Public Television always broadcasts the women's basketball games and they have for years. They were way ahead of their time as far as television with women's sports. So I went back to Lincoln and I said, you know, I don't have a broadcast journalism degree, uh, but I do know the sport. I know the players, the coaches. I love the X's and O's. I like to talk. Uh, would, you, would you give me a chance? And that's how I got my first broadcasting job was to work for Nebraska Public Television three games a year. And then while I was working at Sunflower State Games that year, I got a phone call from one of the administrators at the University of Kansas that said, hey, uh, you know, ESPN doesn't broadcast all the NCAA tournament games, but Kansas and Texas are at the same first round site. And if they both win and make it to the second round, that it was the year before the Big 12 started. So the ESPN would like to cut into that game. So we want to broadcast it locally so that ESPN could cut in from the national audience. So would you be interested in doing that? And this is my first year. I had three games under my belt and they were offering me a chance to do an NCAA tournament game that was going to be cut in nationally on ESPN. So that was my first big break. The other one I'll talk about in, in, in a couple of moments, a few years down the road. But it, it, it made me realize those three games locally and then that NCAA tournament game, it lit the fire for me. It was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This, this is fun. I love this. This fits everything in my life that I'm passionate about all into one position from um, 
advocating for girls and women, telling their stories, breaking down the X's and O's, you know, just promoting women's sports and being an advocate and a storyteller. And this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. So that's kind of how the broadcasting started, but it was, you know, four games in one year. So it wasn't, I wasn't making, you know, big dollars. I wasn't ready to quit my day job. I didn't even have a day job at the time. So, <laughs> uh, it was, you know, I still was trying to figure things out. So about that time, uh, Kansas City was going to be hosting the national championship, the women's final four in Kansas City. Uh, and I wanted to do event management and promote women's sports. So I reached out to the people at the Big 12 office and in Kansas City who I had connected with to uh, learn about that. And I ended up being hired as the executive director for the Women's Final Four, which was an 18 month job. And it was my job to get Kansas City ready for the Final Four. So it was awesome. And it's still, besides broadcasting, is the best job I've ever had because it was the opportunity to um, get the city ready every facet of the city from the restaurants and hotels and bars to transportation to hospitality and all of that working with the sports commission and the local committee to make that happen and it was really a cool opportunity for me at the same time i was building my broadcasting career three games again at nebraska public television one local game at the university of kansas so it was you know slowly just getting that experience which is what you have to do no matter what what uh, profession, what occupation you have, kind of just those building steps to get your experience, meet the right people, have the doors open. And that's what I was doing during that time. And uh, the, the third year of my broadcasting, we were getting ready, we were just a month away from the final four and a group of friends and I decided to go over to the University of Kansas for the K-State Kansas women's basketball game. Big rivalry, it was take a girl to the game day. So my friend Patty took her 10 year old niece and we took a carload over and drove over and there was this huge line outside of Allen Fieldhouse because everybody was taking a girl to the game. And I decided that since I'd done a few local broadcasts for them, maybe I could sneak into the media entrance. You know, I hated leaving my friends behind, but I wanted to see if I could get in a little faster and not stand in line the whole time. Uh, and I, I went over and uh, I walked in and the media relations person said, oh, good, you're here. And I said, good, because I just snuck in the door, so that's good. And he said, uh, are you ready? And I'm like, ready, ready for what? I'm just here to watch the game. He goes, no, are you ready to do the television broadcast? And I said, I'm, I'm not assigned to do the TV broadcast and stuttering and stammering. And he said, yeah, well, it's a national broadcast on Fox Sports. And one of the announcers didn't show up. And so they need you to do the game. Will you do it? And when I tell this in most of my speeches, I'm like, you know, I could have said, no, I'm, what if I fail? What if I'm, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not ready? You know, uh, I can't do that. And so often in life, you know, whether it's that big of an opportunity, it's like handed to you on a silver platter, or whether it's more subtle, how many times do we say, eh, I'm not quite ready for that. I'll, I'm going to wait until I'm better before I do that. 
And thank goodness I didn't, and I didn't really have any other choice, but it was like, let's do this. And I walked out courtside at Allen Fieldhouse and met Kevin Eschenfelder, my partner, and he's kind of looking at me in my jeans and my white button-up shirt, like, who in the world did we just pull off the street to do this game? And uh, I said, I am not going to be able to quote the stats or anything. He said, just, he said, just call the game. And we called the game, and, you know, I knew the teams well enough that I could break it down and just share what I knew. And after that, Fox, uh, the producer, invited me to the truck and said, you're pretty good at this. We'd, we'd like you to do some more of this. Would you be interested? And that was my break. That was my lucky break. I, I think that being, you know, lucky is when uh, opportunity meets preparation. When, when you're ready, yeah, it was lucky that I walked in and that was available, but if I wouldn't have done a good job, that probably would have been the end of my broadcasting career or at least any shot at a national broadcasting career. So um, I was glad that that worked out and that's when uh, things grew for me with the Big 12 on Fox. Now, the other fun part about that story is the next year, it's not like I got 60 games, I got three games. And one of them was the day after my only sister's wedding that I was the bridesmaid, I was the maid of honor. And uh, so I had to kind of, you know, tone down the celebration. I was still there and present for my sister's wedding, but I had done all my preparation for the game up until then. And I got up at six o'clock the next morning to drive to the Bob Devaney Sports Center in Lincoln to do the shoot arounds and be ready. And, that game that day at the University of Nebraska versus Iowa State, my broadcast partner sent the videotape, for those of you that are too young to know what that is, a VHS tape that was recorded of the game, uh, sent that to ESPN, my play-by-play -play partner did, to try to have ESPN notice her, and they noticed me. And so uh, ESPN called me up and said, hey, we would love for you to do some NCAA tournament games. They didn't, maybe they didn't realize that I had done one a few years ago, just a little shout out from <laughs> Robin Roberts. But um, I got the opportunity to do NCAA tournament games. And then that's where it started for me that I was doing the, Fox, uh, the Big 12 package on Fox for years and then NCAA tournament games on ESPN. And so my relationship with ESPN grew, my relationship with Fox Sports grew. I did a lot of local and um, uh, regional broadcasts from CBS television. When Big Ten Network came around, I did some Big Ten Network games. Um, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll pause because I'll tell you about, you mentioned the play-by-play -play and analyst. I'll tell you that part of it in just a moment. But the other little story I wanna insert here is about taking a risk. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that, um, you know, the best things in life happen when you step outside your comfort zone and when you do something a little bit risky. Yeah, I, I left the University of Nebraska coaching without a job to go to. It was a risk. Um, after, after the Final Four position, I was invited to the NCAA to interview for a championship director position. I mean, it was really kind of the job that I was gunning for, right, with sports and event management and championships. And I'd just come off uh, directing the women's final four. And I went through the interview process and I, I was in the meeting where 
they were about to offer me the position. And I just thought to myself, if I take this position, I'm not going to be able to be a sports broadcaster because I won't have, they won't let me leave because my most important time of year will be during basketball season preparing for championships or all year preparing for different championships. And, and I really like this broadcasting thing. And so I decided to turn down this pretty sure job at the NCAA that could have grown into something that, you know, may have been something I would have been really happy with, but I wouldn't have been able to pursue this opportunity with broadcasting. Now, remember at the time in my broadcasting career, I had just gotten that walk into Allen Fieldhouse big break opportunity, but I didn't have anything other than that. I mean, I was making, you know, less than $2,000 a year on my four broadcasts that I was doing. And uh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a sure bet at all, but it's something I felt very passionate about that that's the path I wanted to go down. So I turned down the job at the NCAA, I took a risk. And it took, a, it took several years to be able to build up for my broadcasting to be full time. But it's, it's led to now a 20, I just finished my 25th year of broadcasting. And I am one of the only announcers that does play by play and analyst work and have relationships with ESPN and Fox and SEC network and Big Ten network and others. Uh, without an agent. And I'm, uh, you know, done all of that, I think, with just good relationship building and uh, doing my job well and preparing for it and, and uh, all those things that are so important, no matter what your job is, uh, whether it's broadcasting or something else and being your own best advocate. And so I'll finish up with and then turn it out for uh, questions and stuff. Uh, how I got to the point of being play-by-play -play and analyst. So I was about 10, I was about 12 to 15 years into my career. I had a, a full-time, another full-time job. After the final four, I actually took a, a nonprofit job with a group called PE for Life. We were all about advocating for physical education and activity for kids to keep them healthy and active, the importance of physical education in school. So I helped build up that nonprofit organization while I was building my broadcasting career up to like 40 to 35 to 40 games per year. And at that point, it was like, I was to the point of almost feeling like I had two full-time jobs. And even though I, I enjoyed what I was doing with PE for Life, I knew that ultimately I wanted to be in broadcasting uh, full-time, but it was still taking that leap. It was leaving a full-time job with a full-time paycheck and benefits and health insurance and all of that to just do broadcasting and it, it was a risk. And so, um, oh, and here's my puppy, I don't know if you can see him or not. <laughs> there's Barkley. <laughs> Hi, All Barkley. right. <laughs> so, um, oh, and here he is, he's gonna come right up beside me. All right, <laughs> fantastic. We got a two for one. There we go, two for one. He's right beside you, that's awesome. Um, so, I had several networks at the time uh, that were saying to me, would you consider uh, doing play-by-play -play because up until that point I had been only a game analyst so I always feel like I've always felt like the, the analyst is the like the former coach the former player that can kind of give you the insight from the coach's perspective or player's perspective what's happening in the game the X's and O's the stories behind the scene that's the analyst role 
the play-by-play -play is the person that kind of sets things up the uh, you know here's what the storyline is here's who just scored here's who just fouled they're they're more the 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 director uh, and the analyst is filling in with information about uh, the, the how it happened and the why it happened. So play-by-play -play is who and what, the analyst is the how and the why. And the play-by-play -play is typically somebody that's gone to school for broadcast journalism. They have experience doing that. And so when I was asked if I would like to do play-by-play, -play, I initially kind of balked and said, you know, I don't really have any training at that. Uh, I'm not sure I feel comfortable with that. And it's like I kept being asked by several networks and it made me realize that number one, they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And number two, and more importantly, they knew about opportunities that I didn't know about. And so um, instead of saying no and uh, being afraid that I wasn't qualified or I wasn't good enough, I decided to trust the people that were having the confidence in me to invite me to do this. And, you know, it's funny because the very first time I did a game on Fox as a play-by-play, -play, it, uh, it was Cal at Texas A&M. I mean, it wasn't two really small schools that nobody will ever hear of. It was a pretty big game. And I remember, you know, the setup, and you know, doing the things that I needed to do to get the game set up, and then the ball was thrown in the air, and the game started, and I'm just watching, going, "Oh shit, I'm supposed to be talking right now." <laughs> Excuse my language, <laughs> but it was—I uh, wasn't used to being in that role. I had to completely switch my thinking. Where, as the analyst, I kind of watched, observed, and took it all in and commented on it the play-by-play, -play, I need to be on top of it and saying what was happening at the time it was happening. And, and so, I, I mean, I learned on the job and I'm very, very thankful that, you know, Fox, especially Fox Sports allowed me to do that, uh, just to learn on the job and just use my years of experience as a broadcaster and kind of fumble through the play-by-play -play to improve and do better. The irony is then Fox a couple years later said, you know, we think we're going to move you back to being the analyst. And then ESPN said, you do play-by-play? -play? We would like you to do play-by-play. -play. And so, uh, so basically uh, at about that time, it doubled my opportunities and I was able to quit my job. So 10 years ago, I quit my full-time job and the securities of having benefits and things like that. I started my own company. So it kind of goes back to my business education background. Uh, I started, I incorporated myself um, and uh, then the, the networks that I work with employ my company uh, to work with them. And on ESPN, I'm play-by-play. -play. ESPN owns SEC Network. So anytime you see me on those two networks, I'm the play-by-play -play announcer. If I'm on Fox Sports and Big Ten Network, I'm the analyst and uh, that's really uh, what's gotten, you know, th that's been my path over the last 10 years. Uh, and I, I have, you know, lots of stories. I was able to go to Russia to the World University Games and call the gold medal game involving USA versus Russia in, in Russia, which was an amazing thing. I've, I've called tournaments in uh, the Virgin Islands, uh, St. Thomas. I also have been able to go to the Bahamas for some tournaments. And uh, I've called seven national championships uh, in the NCAA Division II and about 
six to seven more in NAI national championships. And so it's been, uh, it's been an incredible career of being able to, you know, take those things that I loved growing up in Roseland, Nebraska, uh, sports and education and uh, communication and even the business side of it and put those all together into uh, a career that uh, I've been really blessed to have throughout my life. Well, it's an amazing story and just all of those lessons we can learn, taking a risk, believing in yourself, being ready for an opportunity. I've got a lot of questions, but I want to, and I, I know we do have some students, so uh, let me open it up for questions now if anyone that's listening has one, uh, and then I'll, I'll start into mine if, if you're not ready with yours. Anyone, you'll need to unmute yourself. We have a student question. Uh, I was gonna ask, was there ever times when you, uh, you felt like, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Or am I sure this is the right path? Or things like that. That's a, that's a really good question. Is it Xavier that asked that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say throughout my career, there, there have been times where I've been like, yeah, is this really what I want to be doing? Um, and in those times, uh, that's where, you know, you really have to evaluate and make a decision. Am I going to continue on with this? Or am I going to make a change in my path? And, and that's where, uh, when I was at the University of Nebraska, I really wanted to be involved with college sports and I loved coaching and I grew up in Nebraska. So coaching at the University of Nebraska was a really big deal. And I, as I really evaluated though, and thought there's some things about this that just aren't filling me up that aren't, uh, that aren't making me as happy as I want to be in my life. And I made a, I made a decision to leave and, and take another path. And it was risky, but it, it ended up being the best thing. Now, would I have been happy if I would have stayed even further back? If I would have stayed a high school teacher and coach all my career, I think I would have loved that too. And I think I would have loved being at the University of Nebraska for as long as I could. But at some point in your life, I think you have to kind of decide what, what is it that you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? And by finding my way to broadcasting, it brought everything together that I am passionate about. And I didn't say this at the beginning, but I like to say this in a lot of my speeches. When you're thinking about a career, think about these three things. What is it that you're passionate about, first of all? What are the things that get you fired up and make you excited? What, so what are the things you're passionate about? Number two, what are you good at? What, what are the skills that you have, the, the, the experience that you have, the education you have? What are you good at doing? So what are you passionate about? What are you good at doing? And then number three is how can you make money doing that? So if you, if you put each of those things in a circle, the place in the middle, is the job that you should have. A lot of people have a job they're passionate about, but may not make very much money. It may, some people may do something that they're really good at, but they're not passionate about it. Or they may be doing something they're really good at and they make a lot of money at, but they're not passionate about it. it to be fulfilled in your life and your career, 
it's having all three of those things. And that's something I think that's important to evaluate. Hey, uh, do you have a follow-up, Xavier? Thank you for answering my question. I really think I feel the same way about that, things that I'm passionate about. And um, I don't want to That, that like, Ken, it sounds like you're moving something around. I didn't hear the last part. I heard you say that, you know, you want to do something you're passionate about, but then what'd you say? I said that really uh, helped me think about things that I want to do coming into high school because there's a lot more opportunities. So things I'm passionate about, things along those lines. Good, good, good. Thanks. Xavier is uh, one of our student leaders. He's actually, well, just finished middle school at Turner Middle School in the Shawnee Mission District. So. Hmm. Uh, in your neck of the woods. Uh, yes, right I now. live in I live in Olathe, so I am not far from there at all. Yeah, so he was our career association president, in fact. So awesome. We're very proud of him, and thanks for joining us today. Now I, I see that Caitlin has said that her microphone is not working, but she wants to know why Oklahoma State women's basketball is the best program in the Big Twelve. <laughs> yes, uh, can you uh, give us your best? analysis of that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, Caitlin, you know that everybody in the Big 12 would give me a hard time if I, you know, chose one favorite, but you, Caitlin, are one of my favorite players that I enjoyed covering because you worked so hard, you played with enthusiasm and passion, no matter what role you were asked to play, and I think those are extremely great qualities and I know that you are now influencing young people uh, back in your home state and I want to you know thank you and congratulate you on doing something that's really important as you go forward in your life. Thank you. I switched over to my phone so I could actually talk now. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well that's how uh, Chuck and I got connected was because I saw uh, one of your posts to your team and uh, yeah. then he I think he chimed in and we ended up talking so thank you for the, you the connection yeah there you go I actually was watching a highlight from I think it was a 2015 bedlam game that Caitlin was playing in and Brenda was calling so or an, doing the analysis on so mm -hmm. that was kind of fun <laughs> so um, <laughs> you come into contact with a lot of programs, uh, a lot of athletes. And in addition to what you do with the, the, the game broadcasting, you also do a number of other things. You're, you're doing um, just Big 12 Conference, maybe the, the Media Day. Uh, there are also some shows about the conference. There's something else you do, it's called Film Room. I've seen some of those. And uh, recently, you did one on Peyton Williams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Peyton happens to be part of the JAG family, the JAG K family, because her mother, Kim, is part of our team. <laughs> Hello. And there she is. Hey. Hello. Hey, I, heard, I heard some um, talk about Oklahoma State being the best. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stay out of that so <laughs> right see, see Caitlin look you're, you're already getting me in trouble so <laughs> <laughs> hey it's, it was awesome to hear your story Brenda and I'm I mean 
big fan of yours, obviously. Great to hear, I mean, listen to you for a change and talk about you, which is so awesome. So, <laughs> Thank you, Peyton. I, I have enjoyed covering you throughout the course of your career and wish you the best as you go to your next chapter. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to see your face. I, I, uh, I heard that you uh, had stopped by Chuck's office yesterday. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's yes there's Kim so Brenda is it which are you more comfortable doing and, and you're probably comfortable with all of it but which do you prefer being the person asking the questions or <laughs> the, the, the person on the other side talking to uh, being interviewed oh, I guess if wow you will. wow that's that's a that's a good question um, you know, I, I, I enjoy telling my story to be able to, to share with people the, the lessons that I've learned along the way uh, and, and going out and giving speeches and things like that because I've, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of uh, lessons related to my career in sports. Um, I really enjoy that. But when I do the broadcast, I, I especially enjoy telling the stories of the young women that are working so hard and doing such a great job and are such incredible role models and that young people can learn from them and uh, watch them and just be inspired by them. So, um, you know, I, I don't usually, you know, especially on the broadcast, like telling my story necessarily. I appreciate this opportunity today, uh, but I, I would much rather be be telling the stories or asking the questions of the, the young women that are making such an impact uh, right now. And through sports, we can, uh, you can make an impact uh, in, in your role and in the, in the player's role. And one thing I wanted to do, and, and maybe Caitlin and, and uh, Peyton can join us on this. Right now we're, as a country, we're dealing with the impact of racism and you know, I, I had a very small part in, when I was in college, I was manager of the KU women's basketball team. I came from Augusta, which is a very homogenous community, just mostly white people. When I was, when I was manager, I, I learned a lot about, um, you know, my, my, my teammates, if you will, and their stories and, and some of the things they had dealt with as, as people of color. And I think sports can bring people together, but, but I'm curious what you have seen over the years and, and maybe, um, you know, Caitlin and, and, and I know Peyton, you, you just recently were involved in a, a peaceful demonstration in, in Topeka. Um, Brenda, what are your thoughts on, on what's happening, what you've mm -hmm. seen over the course as a player, uh, as a coach, as a broadcaster who comes into contact with, with a lot of, of, athletes with diverse backgrounds you know it's uh gosh this this time um is just breaking my heart uh but it's so important and it's so uh so important for all of us to listen and learn from other people's stories as i mentioned i i grew up in a small town in the middle of nebraska and it was very homogenous as well and and so as I've grown through my life and through my career and met people from different backgrounds and different races and ethnicities and religions and all of that, um, it has expanded my worldview. And I just think it's so important to learn as much as we can about everybody else 
to know where they've come from, to know what they've experienced, uh, and to have our hearts open to that we're, we're not all the same. We don't all have the same experience. And there are people, um, you know, in this specific instance, uh, with uh, specifically with racism, that we all need to speak up for the things that are happening that are not right. And, um, you know, I, I, I was thinking about, um, you know, coming on and, and talking about this. And even I, you know, like through my social media, um, you know, in the past, I've been real quiet about, I don't want to say much that's controversial or whatever. I want to stick to what I know with sports. Um, but I realized that staying quiet on this important issue is not what I need to do. I need to speak up because I have not been um, discriminated against in that fashion. And I need to be on the side of people that need to be, uh, we need to join in and advocating for and, and, and being locked arms with uh, to make sure that nobody is treated the way we have seen uh, the, the treatment um, across the United States. So uh, I, I wanted to share just before um, Peyton and Caitlin chime in here, though, that I saw something on social media yesterday that I, that I really appreciated that says, you know, some are posting on social media, some are protesting in the streets, some are donating silently, some are educating themselves, some are having tough conversations with friends and family. Uh, a revolution has many lanes. Be kind to yourself and to others who are traveling in the same direction. Just keep your foot on the gas. Really good. Uh, Caitlin or, or Peyton, did you have anything to add or from your experiences? Yeah, I'll chime in. Um, what Brenda just shared, I actually shared that too on my Instagram platform, just shared it on my story. But um, it's hit home for me too. Um, I grew up in small town McPherson, very uh, much a white community. I mean, we have you know, some diversity, but not a ton. Um, my college basketball experience definitely opened my eyes too. And um, I'm very, very grateful for those experiences. And this last week, um, been having conversations with people in my community, my old teammates, um, trying to figure out what can I do, you know, just with the, with the people I know or, you know, using some of the platforms I have but I think definitely it's important to have those conversations with people to gain an understanding. Like yesterday, I know I was talking with one of my teammates and she's just so upset about everything. And I think I didn't say much in the beginning. I simply just listened. And I think it really helped her individually um, just understand that, you know, her white friends, teammates were here with her to help fight, you know, through this racism stuff that we experience. So I don't know if Peyton has anything to add on that, but. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. And um, I mean, something that we acknowledge is that within the athletic community, these black men and women are a huge part of this community. And um, to the teammates that are with them and the, the white teammates that are with them, um, I mean, it's been hard to see our teammates go through this time and it's been difficult to know how to support them in a way that's meaningful. And it's been a time of really, like you said, uh, Caitlin, just listening and 
I've been learning so much in the past week and just um, just trying to figure out how I can uh, find a voice for my teammates and for my friends. Um, I mean, my, my family now that I've been with them for so long and um, have gone through, you know, the workouts and the sweat and the pain with them. And, um, and so to be with them in this pain as well, I think has been really meaningful. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just been really a lesson in empathy for me and educating myself and trying to do my best to speak up for, for my teammates and for others throughout all of this. And it's, it's been a tough time um, for our country. And uh, that, that post that you shared, Brenda, is um, so meaningful and that everyone's trying their, um, trying their best to make a change. And I think if we can just keep it going, that's what we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Keep our feet on the gas. That's, that's good. Also, um, I, I appreciate uh, Peyton making a special appearance <laughs> on Coffee with Chuck. Um, and Caitlin has just been outstanding. Uh, as a first-year specialist, you, you sure wouldn't know she was a first-year specialist. But uh, one of the things you say, Brenda, is take advantage of your advantages. Or, I'm sorry, that's... Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and she has done that. I mean, she is passionate and she just wants her students to succeed and she just I don't know I never watched a practice at Oklahoma State but I imagine she always mm -hmm. practiced hard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's how she uh, does as a specialist so well uh, Chuck if I could uh, both Caitlin and Peyton are that way in that uh, you know in, in watching their practices and listening to their coaches speak about both of them uh, the work ethic is certainly there. And, and the reason I talk about take advantage of your advantage is because so often in our lives, um, we concentrate on what we can't do and what, what our weaknesses are. And in sports and in other areas of life, I think it's important to really think about what are your strengths? What are you best at? How can you leverage that for success? That's why I love the X's and O's so much of sports of you know, where do we have an advantage? Where can we gain an advantage because of our strengths? And I just, I think that's, um, I think that's such an important message. And, you know, I, I mean, think about it. Here, here are my qualifications to be a national sports broadcaster. I was, I graduated uh, salutatorian, second best in a class of 21. You know, and uh, I was an all-state athlete at a class D high school in Nebraska. And I, I played basketball at an NAIA school uh, that had a couple of good years and went to the national tournament. I was never a head coach. The, I was a head coach of the freshman girls basketball team at Kearney High School. I was never a head coach other than that. I've never won a national championship. I've never played professionally. I never played division one basketball. If I focused on all of those things that I've never done, I would never have had a 25 year career in broadcasting. But I choose to focus on my, my strengths, the positive things about me, the, the fact that I, I love basketball. I love the X's and O's. I love promoting and advocating for girls and women in sports. And I love to talk. <laughs> so all those things together, uh, I, get to, I get to sit courtside at the best basketball games and just 
talk about what I'm seeing and share what I'm seeing and lift up the positive stories. And those are my strengths. And those are the things that have allowed me to build this career over 25 years and something I'm incredibly thankful for. And if I would have just focused on the things that I haven't done, I would never have gotten to where I am. And by focusing on my strengths and the positives and building relationships and doing a good job and preparing well and, and doing the best that I can, those are the things that have allowed me to be successful in my career. We have a leadership development conference every year. And this October, it will be at the University of Kansas. We don't know how many students we'll be able to have because of COVID-19. And I'm really hopeful that you can share your message, your journey with our students. And so I know we'll continue to have conversations about that, but how can, how can people learn more about you and your story and maybe see some videos that they possibly could share in addition to this one with, with their students? Sure. Thank, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm on, I'm on social media. Uh, my Twitter is just Brenda Van Lingen. Uh, Instagram, I think, is Brenda Van Lingen TV. And uh, I also have a website that doesn't have a lot of stuff, but it does have a few videos. It, it's either brendavanlingen.com or just bv on tv, etc.com. So that's the name of my business is bv on tv, etc. Uh, my nickname in college was bv. Everybody called me bv. And so uh, our student manager, uh, when I got out of uh, college and and was doing tv she's like when's bv on tv <laughs> so it's it's very corny it's very corny i get it but uh that's the name of my website is bv on tv etc.com and uh, i'm on linkedin too for those that are on linkedin so uh yeah i would love to get out and speak to groups um you know as i transition into this next phase of my life I'm, I've been doing 60 to 70 basketball games per year for the last 10, 12 years. And number one, who knows what this next basketball season is even going to look like or if we'll even have one if the virus returns in November or December. I mean, we just, we just don't know. So I, I, I'm trying to do some other projects and some other things uh, during this upcoming year in case we have a shortened season or modified or, or don't have a season. But also, you know, as I look to the next 10 years of my career, um, I'm not sure I want to run quite as hard as I have for the last 10 to 15 years where I'm in an airplane every day of the week and traveling all over the country and, you know, away from home uh, five to six days a week. And I love doing what I do, but I'm, I'd like to be a little more selective about what I do going forward. And so if I can do other things like get out and speak to groups and, uh, and help in other ways, uh, I would like to do that as well. Well, we sure appreciate your time today. I've got a list of questions about your game prep and all kinds of things related to the job, but we'll have to save those for another time. I did want to make one uh, correction. Xavier, Xavier is from Hawker Grove Middle School, and I know that. I visited him there, but I mistakenly said Turner. Nice. Um, but anyway, we really appreciate him joining us and any other students that joined us today. Brenda, thanks again for your time. We hope that uh, this will be the first of, of other conversations we have with you so we can 
uh, share your journey, learn from your experience, and uh, help others as well. So well, thank you thank, very much. Thank you for inviting me, and I appreciate it. And if anybody on this call, if there's anything that I can do for you and uh, help out in any way, I would love to do that. And so thank you, and best wishes to all of you. Thanks for watching Espresso Yourself with Chuck. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and get notified of any new episodes of Espresso Yourself with Chuck or other videos with our JAG-K program. Thank you.